Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News and Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and we have the pleasure of getting to talk to folks who are building a more humane world from the inside out. And today, uh, an old friend of mine, Mary Lennox, is with us on the phone from San Diego. Are you there, Mary? Yes, I am. Hey. Good morning, Dick. How are you? You are there, and you are here, my dear. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> oh, wonderful. It's It's been a long time coming, but today is the perfect day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mary Lennox, uh, we have known each other for, oh, not quite 20 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a mutual friend here in Columbia, Missouri, uh, where you and I met. Uh, her name, Thelma MacArthur. Some folks may remember yeah. Art uh, MacArthur and Thelma MacArthur from uh, various uh, activities here in town. And uh, I learned from uh, Thelma and, and you that you had come to Mizzou as a professor in what library science was it in library and information science in 1978 yes, yes. and uh you then became the first dean of that school it was it called a school well it was not the first dean i was the first I mean the first African-American African in the history of the University of Missouri. Incredible. <laughs> and uh, six years after I became, uh, after I arrived on that campus, it was quite an amazing journey. Did not expect it, was not looking for it, but it happened. Right. And I was uh, dean for 12 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here we are, Mizzou, this great, uh, supposedly diverse uh, university, and it it took all of those decades for uh, a dean to come that was African American. Is that is that it, not it still, a lot? Yes, yes. As far as I am, I'm aware. Yeah. I still remain the only African American dean at the University of Missouri, Columbia. Are you kidding? me? Even at, goodness, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, we'll, we'll have somebody. Uh, we'll have but, somebody but, investigating but, that. <laughs> but I have not met anyone. But 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 you know, it, the times have changed. Yeah, uh, and they are changing. Uh -huh. But absolutely, the, absolutely, one of the challenges of all universities, but particularly Mizzou, is to make sure we have a diverse student body, a diverse uh, faculty body, mm -hmm. and absolutely a diverse uh, administrators right. who can understand and and uh, add to the mix of challenges, of, to answer the challenges and needs of all of the people that are at Mizzou, and to realize that we are creating, at, at a high institution of higher education, leaders of the future. Exactly. So leaders of the future need to see that a diverse, what a diverse community looks like, and to take that message into areas where people are not as aware or awake mm -hmm. about these matters. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, we <laughs> we haven't arrived yet. 
Well, we haven't, but uh, <laughs> but I have moved. I'm 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 no longer an academic dean. I have a new calling to my life, and that is to be a poet. And I think that is also a, a segue to helping people understand the diversity, not only racial diversity diversity, not only cultural diversity, but to look at the diversity of our world. If you think about zebras, if you think about flowers, each and every flower, each and every zebra has a different stripe. Each zebra has a different coloration of of stripes. Mm -hmm. They look the same, but they're not the same. Every Mm -hmm. yellow flower, we think we're looking at one flower. No, we're not. We're looking at different flowers. Each may have colors of yellow or blue or or, uh, red or whatever, but each of those floral gifts to us are uh, are different. Mm -hmm. And that difference is is how... uh, creation is it is and it continues to be every minute every second yeah absolutely absolutely in fact i wrote a poem this morning as i walked by the sea i was going to ask what your poem this morning was (laughs) (laughs) well you know i write a poem every day so this poem of the morning is message from the sea and it says in scant light ocean waves of early morning echoes good morning then goodbye, relentlessly moving to and fro, saying hello to my soul in each moment. Never the same, yet all are one in the oneness of change. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) That was what's on on my mind this morning. I love it. I love it. Yeah, the Pacific Ocean. Yes. Well, you know, um, you have sent me your poems uh, for several years now. Yes. And, and I have I have all the emails, and right. I oh, was looking okay. through them, and uh, uh, I have one that uh, I'm going to see if you would even let me read uh, later sometime or whenever I during the hour. I would love to hear it. I, I would love that. Um, and, well, so I think you have uh, a one that you and I both consider not only a beautiful poem, but a, a powerful story uh, yes. that I, I hope you're going to be able to read with us this morning. Are you talking about the Great Migration? Yes. And maybe you can, uh, however you, this is your hour, so however you want to set the hour up <laughs> um, with Maybe uh, do you want to start with sort of? I think I, I think that 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 sharing this story of the Great Migration really is a wonderful way to touch upon the issue of my family history, but yet the poem really speaks to what is happening with immigration and migration here and now, um, and. I don't know. I have been amazed to find out that some people st- still do not know of the Great Migration. Mm-hmm. Six million African American people migrated from the rural South to urban cities of the North from early from the early 1900s until the 1970s. Mm-hmm. By the time the Great Migration had ended, 
47% of African-Americans living in cities were from the South. Wow. My father was one of those migrants who left Yazoo County, Mississippi mm-hmm. in 1921. He was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm told that the family stopped in Arkansas to earn enough money to get to Chicago. Hmm. My father arrived at Union Station in downtown Chicago, went to the west side Hmm. to uh, see and meet his third cousins. They were known as the Jacksons, John and Eva Jackson. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a year later, he went back and got his father and Hmm. five siblings. His mother had passed away when he was six years old. Hmm. The family bought uh, a home about two or three blocks from where the Jacksons lived on Maple. Mm-hmm. And then my father went back south. He met someone and married her and brought her back to Chicago. But let me go back in the story. My father's family lived in a two-story building with a basement that the, my grandfather, Stephen, ran as a uh, grocery store. And then when my father married, he left that space and went to a streets two blocks over Warren Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And there they bought a house and it was 2541 West Warren. And I was born in that house in 1944. Um, We're born the same uh, year. Oh, okay. (laughs) And so, so when you think about the history of how I came to be in this world on the West side of Chicago, Mm -hmm. uh, it's quite a powerful story. And why did, why did my father leave the South? He said at the end of the season, they had no money, not even and not enough food to even last through the winter. Wow. They left the South to escape terror. Uh, they had no money. Mm-hmm. Tenant farming was tenant farming was the way of many African American people, and they experienced theft of their resources by the people who owned the land. Oh my! Mm-hmm. Indeed, their their very existence. Mm-hmm was threatened. So Hmm. my father said, surely I can do better than that. Mm -hmm. So that's how my poem, The Great Migration, uh, evolved. Mm -hmm. Because as I thought about what I heard him say over and over again uh, in my youth, it made me think about uh, what the Great Migration uh, really meant, both Mm -hmm. to me and millions of others. So I'm, I'm driving down the expressway and I'm talking to a friend about the Great Migration, and I said, hmm. they came with hope and created possibilities. I said, write that down. That's a great line of a poem. <laughs> and so this is what I wrote, the Great Migration. They came with hope and created possibilities. Travelers, hundreds, thousands, and countless more, one by one, making the decision to leave the past for an unknown future. They came from Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, and so many other regions of the South looking to embrace new life in the promised land of the North. They came to Detroit, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and so many other cities and towns, mothers fathers, sisters, brothers, they came. 
grandmothers, grandfathers, children, the yet unborn, they came. Uncles, aunts, cousins, nieces, nephews, they came. By train, by car, walking, they came. From rural roots to urban sprawl, they came. Some money, little money, no money, a sandwich, a name or two of relatives and or friends who had already made the journey. They came living in kitchenettes, apartments, church havens, ghetto spaces beyond imagination. Mm-hmm. Still, they came. No job, no education. Yet, they came. They could not, would not, dare not turn around. So they held a prayer in their hearts and faith that the Lord will make a way. Hmm. Moment by moment, step by step, day by day, connecting to the divine, each other, and with the help of so many others, they created schools, churches, community centers, businesses, music, literature, and cultural expressions denied for 246 years, all the while believing that they could and would create new lives from remnants of hope. And so they did. The Great Migration. Mm. Oh, my. And... It produced you. It did. <laughs> it did. And you, you know, you have to understand, it was against the law to educate, to teach African-American slaves hmm. to read. Yeah. All right. If you could be jailed or killed. Hmm. And I have become a professor at a dean at a university. Amazing. Amazing. When you think about it. And why, how did that happen? Because from the time that I was a child, my parents would would support whatever educational endeavor I wanted. And every day I heard them say, get your education. Hmm. That is how you will rise above this, 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 this <laughs> racist society that you are in. You get your education. And still I and rise. And share what you know <laughs> and share what you know with others. And I've had an amazing life because my parents understood the importance of education. I love it. Uh, you're not the story that everybody gets to tell. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I think it's really important that people begin to understand the world has already changed. Mm-hmm. There will be a world of diverse people all over the globe mm-hmm. forevermore. There will not be any one race or one ethnic group or one national group that will dominate the world because mm-hmm. we have created a global society. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we have to understand, we have to prepare everyone in our society to be able to contribute their best g- gifts to the world. That's what divine order is all about. 
educating or helping people discover, uncover, and share their gifts to the world. That was my, what my TED Talk was about. I just did a TED Talk at the University of San Diego oh, on wonderful. September 28th. And that TED Talk was about finding the poetry within you. What does that mean? I put pen to paper every day. I write a poem every day. But your poetry might be random acts of kindness. It may be service to others. It may be gardening. It may be music. It may be uh, writing uh, fiction. But whatever it is, you do it every day with intention and attention. Mm -hmm. And what does that do? When you embrace your passion, you are embracing that divine gift that was given to you at birth. And when you share, when you have the will, willingness to share that gift, first with yourself and then to the world, you are having, as you do your passion, you are having a conversation with the divine, which is the source of all creativity. And so when you do your passion, you are loving yourself. And when you love yourself, you are able to give that loving presence out into the world. You radiate their loving presence as you walk, as you walk, as you walk, as you talk, as you, inter- as you in- uh, encounter other people in the world. And thereby, you change the world, not by changing the other person, but by changing you. And so that was what the TED Talk was about. It's, it's going to be available on the web at some point. But right now, we talked about that was the essence of it. Once you understand that, that you and every other person on the planet makes a difference Mm -hmm. in the world. You then are able to recognize that within yourself and you understand that about yourself and therefore your thoughts and your actions will reflect that understanding that your presence in the world makes a difference. And if you have a thought that goes through your mind that says, I can't, what do you say to it? What you say is, no, there are other thoughts. I, uh, you, you examine those thoughts. And I think that's one of the gifts that, that has blessed my life, is to examine your thoughts. Mm-hmm. What, where, what it, where did that thought come from? Right. When did it come? How did it come? And often the thoughts are not from today, but it's from our past. It's from the past where uh, African-American people were told you are not able to, you, 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 you are less than, you know, when they voted uh, African-American, slaves were three-fifths of a man. How do you, how does that, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I, I don't know how you could be three-fifths of a man. Well, where do the lungs go <laughs> if you're three-fifths? Right. Or when you leaving the brain out, what, how does that work? I don't think it works. But, but, but African-American people were told from the beginning of time, you can't, you can't, you can't. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the beginning of time in America. Right. Okay. You can't, you can't, you can't. But yet, let's let's go on to Harriet Tubman, who who was told, uh, uh, you're a slave, you're going to remain a slave, so get rid of it, get get with the program. Mm -hmm. Harriet Tubman said, had another version, had another idea. Mm -hmm. He wanted freedom. And And ultimately, we... Not only did she free herself, but she went back and freed her parents. She freed the slaves. And she said, uh, I would have been able to free more of 
them if they were willing to come. But some slaves wanted, didn't understand right. that they could, in fact, risk all for freedom. That's what she did. Mm-hmm. And she, she went back many times, several times. Even though she was free, she went back several times to free others. Right. And her movie is uh, out this week. Oh, oh, my God. Harriet. Me, you know, Harriet, but I got a poem about Harriet. Let me see if I can find it right quick. All right. Uh, uh, Harriet Tubman. You know, how did Harriet Tubman come into my life? Well, I heard about her as a child. But, but what really touched me was the fact that Harriet, I, my family had a, um, had a um, really just 40 acres in, in, in rural Michigan. And every summer we would go there uh, from late June until Labor Day. Hmm. Uh, and it was not near a city, so it was jet black at night. And if you look up in the sky, you say, you mean to tell me that Harriet Tubman looked at and looked for the North Star and followed it to get from the South to the North. Amazing. (laughs) How did this woman do? So she's been someone I have loved for as long as I can remember because I said, what courage did this woman have to do this? And you know, she also was subject to fits got hit in the head and she was subject to fits all of her life so at any moment in time she could fall asleep anywhere anytime didn't know Uh, that and and therefore uh, she she, um, uh, had her own physical challenges but let me read Harriet Tubman in my book the book is called Riches of Life Poems that's my newest book and in the book I have her under uh, one of the chapters in my book Mm -hmm. and I say in homage to Harriet Tubman Harriet Tubman could not read nor write, yet she read the language of the stars, shining brightly, guided by faith and courage. Harriet found her way from the south to the north. No, no, she was not on a mountaintop like Moses of old when she heard the call, but in the cotton fields among the thieves of humanity. When she answered the call, I shall be free. I shall be free. I must be free, for I am a child of the universe, ordained by the creator to be free. I shall be free. I shall be free. I must be free because it is my birthright stolen from me. I shall be free. I shall be free. I must be free, for that is what life is to me, free to be me. They tried to keep me in chains. No, no, I am free. They gave me another name. No, no, I am free. Ever mindful of freedom, she made a plan with revolver in her hand to follow the North Star amid jet black skies. Spirit echoing, I shall be free. Mississippi River to cross, I shall be free. Hungry and thirsty, I shall be free. Walking through dense woodlands and treacherous swamps, I shall be free. Sleeping fits or not, I shall be free. Threats of death, I must be free. Yes, she followed that guiding light, getting help along the way from near and far in hidden places of the Underground Railroad to Freedom Land. 
Now that I am free, she said, I must go back to bring slaves out of bondage into the marvelous light of freedom so that they too will be free. Free to live, work and play. Free to love and marry their way. Free to have and keep their own children. Free to create new lives with their own dreams. Free to decide when to get up or when to go to bed. Free to seek their daily bread. Free to face whatever lies ahead. Free to pray when spirit leads. Free to build lives with their own deeds. Free to decide about their lives. Free to just be free. 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 Harriet remembered well when she asked the Lord to take her hand. She said, quote, taunt me, was the Lord. I didn't know where to go or what to do, but I expected him to lead me, and he always did. Hmm. Harriet Tubman, a giant of humanity. Hmm. Thank you. We're going to take a station break, Mary Lennox, poet Mary Lennox. And uh, while we're on the break, I don't know if it's in one of your two books, but would you check and see if you can access the poem, Who Are They? Ooh, I will do that. <laughs> because I, I don't even want to begin to read it myself. I, want, I need to hear you read it. <laughs> okay, let me see if I can find it. Okay, okay. We're, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a few moments with uh, more of Poet Mary Lennox. Welcome back to Glocal News in Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and my guest today is Dr. Mary Lennox, now uh, hailing from San Diego, uh, used to be in Columbia at the Mizzou, uh, dean of the School of Information and Library Science uh, back in the uh, 20th century. <laughs> 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 but uh, but you have kept your uh, fingers uh, on the pulse of Mizzou, I see. I have a, a, a in front of me a letter that you wrote to uh, interim President uh, Middleton uh, oh. after the uh, Ferguson oh, okay. tragedy and the uh, the rising up of uh, voices on campus that were. Uh, kept from speaking for so many decades and it sh it shifted things at Mizzou uh, in multiple ways and you you had some suggestions for uh, uh, dr. Middleton 
Uh, do you have any remembrance of uh, how that You know, w- I know went? I wrote the letter, and in fact, I, I saw it uh, at some point in the recent past because I was going through some paper, but I don't, I don't have it in front of me. Do you have it? Well, I do, but actually, I just wanted to, to make the point that, that you, uh, yes, are a poet, and yes, you're an academician, and, and you are also an activist, and uh, that when you speak out, you're not just criticizing and often uh, not criticizing so much at all as offering solutions. And what stood out to me in the letter to uh, uh, President Middleton was your offering of solutions that uh, he may have already uh, considered or may hadn't, uh, maybe he hadn't. And... uh, and I, I so appreciated that approach that you took. Uh, you had other campuses that had done programs, uh, uh, other ways to approach uh, a difficult situation and when you're dealing with race and, and uh, the prejudices that we've grown up with in our cultures. Uh, so I just wanted to say thank you for being one of those uh, powerful voices that, that that spoke during a difficult time, and, and there have been some changes made at Mizzou. Wonderful. Yeah, so how, do you do you know if he uh, responded to you? I, I, I didn't have a he, he thanked me. He, uh, he, he wrote me a letter of thanks and mm-hmm. appreciation for my thoughtfulness, uh-huh. and uh, he did not commit to, I will do this or that, and, sure. uh, and I understand that. I mean, the president cannot say you do it and people do it it has to be a process of change and that and that process is not one that can happen overnight and and every little step along the way is progress toward change uh and so how uh he uh was able to use it i'm not aware Mm -hmm. but i i think just the awareness of not only uh the possibility of change at Mizzou, but I referenced uh, the president of Brown University, yes. who basically changed Brown University by, first of all, saying, listen, we need to acknowledge the fact that Brown University used slave labor yes. to create this university and used slave labor in other ways to make this university uh, we we have profited mm-hmm. <laughs> from slave labor, and let's look at what that is. And the, what I was amazed at was she didn't let say, let's look at it and write a little letter. What she did was she engaged the academic community by uh, inviting, uh, by looking at the, asking academicians to research the truth about what happened with, with uh uh, uh, with the creation of Brown University, and how do we then now, now that we acknowledge that there was uh, a use of slaves to benefit others, but not the African-American people who made uh, Brown University's uh, endowments. Uh, and, and, you know, I can't go into all the sure. details right now, but the point is that she was saying we as a university must look at it and then develop some solutions. But what I loved also about her was the fact that she wanted also for the university to engage Providence, Uni- Providence 
Rhode Island. So they have a plan in place that engages the city as well as the university. And they believe in reparations, and so they have a whole program of uh, investing in the education of African-American students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is an amazing document. It's still on the web. I would, It was on the web at the time I wrote the letter to mm-hmm. uh, President Middleton. But it really gives a step-by-step understanding of the process over several years before they created it, put it on the web, and it was one of the most amazing um, documents I've seen. So I haven't uh, looked it up, but people can go to brown.edu. Exactly. And uh, the uh, phrase that they want to look for is slavery and justice. Yes. And I'm I'm sure a document will uh, pop up. Yes. It'll be yes. a PDF that they can uh, go through the table of contents and see the different right. areas. And it's more and it's more than one document. I mean, it, it gives a whole uh, view right. of what the process was and what the outcomes was and what the programs are have been set in place to keep this process moving forward. You know, mm-hmm. so. So that was um, uh, that was Ruth Simmons. Uh, it was yes, the uh, uh, Dr. Ruth. Oh, my God. She's. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, she's she's my she's my current Harriet Tubman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was an emeritus and then went or emerita and then went oh, back uh, and right. started uh, or came back to faculty work. So right, and yeah. but she understood that what she was about was not was not just being a president and managing the internal affairs of the university. She recognized an opportunity to really address a very insidious, challenging, difficult issue, bring it to the front, and let's now change this. What do we do to change it? Now that we know, what do we do to change Mm -hmm. it? But uh, let me, uh, you asked me to read from uh, the poem, Who Are They? And I thought I would uh, kind of give you an understanding as to how this poem came about. Is that okay? Well, of course. (laughs) Okay. Please. Um, I'm Laura... Asha is a friend of mine. She lives in Iowa. She gave me a call one day and she said some of the kids where she worked, um, there was such an issue of bullying. Mm -hmm. And she said, would you write me a poem? I said, well, I don't write poems on demand. (laughs) (laughs) She was commissioning you. Come on. (laughs) I said, uh, said, okay. But she said, well, I really want to get a message across about, you know, the difficult issue of bullying. And I said, okay, I will consider it. And before I knew it, I was really uh, very much amazed at what came out uh, uh, in terms of the uh, the idea of the issue of bullying. Mm-hmm. And I named the poem, Who Are They? Mm-hmm. Here's the poem, Who Are They? Who are they who hide their self loathing behind a curtain of darkness, all the while sprouting venomous words to intimidate others, so like a poisonous snake defending itself. Who are they who feel no shame with mean deeds and hateful games on social media and other ways? Who are they who speak and say, I am better than you. I want you to feel smaller than, less than, of value to me. 
who are they who hold deceit in a web of false beliefs, feeling powerless, yet all the while attacking others with lies and treachery? Who are they whose anger, fear, revengefulness harms others with aggressive, intimidating tactics? Who are they who infuse the atmosphere with a blizzard of hate for lack of knowledge of another way? Who are they who do not understand that each and every person on the planet is a unique expression of the glory of diversity? Who are they who refuse to see we are all connected, brothers, sisters, all. We are one giant global family on earth. Look into the mirror. What do you see? Do you see a bully looking straight at thee? Do you feel helpless, hopeless, defeated, really wanting to say, help me, help me, for I know not another way? The answer is right there inside of you. Your lovely, unique self awaits you. Look around. See that we are connected near and far by our shared humanity. Respect yourself by word and deed. Others will reciprocate indeed. You can decide from this day forward, I will let my light shine regardless. Oh, how happy you will be to feel the joy of that discovery. So before acting in unkind ways, stop, think, feel, ask, do I want to receive what I am giving out today? Who are they? The poem. The poem. Copyright 2016, Mary F. Lennox. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but that's I sent it to you in 2016, but uh, it's in my current book, Riches of Life, uh, which just came out September of this year. Yeah, wonderful. Right in that book. And the name is Riches. uh, Riches, R-I-C-H-E-S, Riches of Life, poems Mm -hmm. by Mary F. Lennox, and it's available. Uh, online at Amazon, as a as is a, my first book of poetry, Threads of Grace, Selected Poems. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what a beautiful way to rephrase uh, the golden rule. Do yeah. I want to receive what right. I am giving out today? Yes. Wow. I love and I it. think when you think, and I think one of the things I do in the morning I set my intention by, uh, if I go to the Y at 6.30 in the morning, sometimes 7. So sometimes I don't get a chance to write my poem before I go to the Y. But as soon as I get back, I write a poem. But if at all possible, I set my intention. And my intention every day, I try to live each day with a grateful heart. But I also try to live with a mindful spirit. Mm -hmm. That is to say... I want to be aware of what I think, what I say, and what I do. Mm-hmm. And I think when you start with that kind of idea of being mindful of what you think, say, and do, then you may pause before you say something or do something. Mm-hmm. I think kids, <clears throat> young, I mean, I shouldn't just say kids, sometimes people <laughs> will say things <clears throat> on the web, uh, on Facebook, or other social media, and as soon as they said. Sometimes they're, they're, they're sorry that they did. I mean, I, I don't know if it's true, but I heard that a young girl wrote someone on social, wrote her friends on social media and said, I feel like killing myself today. And they wrote her back saying, why don't you do it? And guess what? She did. Yeah. 
And so I think we have to understand that our words matter. Yeah, they're powerful. They're powerful. And young people in particular have to understand, wait, stop. Give yourself a moment to understand what your action will, how your action will affect another person. And it does. I thought when I read the poem, Who Are They?, that I was reading a poem that might have been written in 2018 Mm. in reference to um, some of our leaders in the world. Oh. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I I see that you understand (laughs) because it's the same characteristics Uh, your your opening phrase of that is uh talking about the person who has the uh how'd you phrase it the uh self-loathing is hidden behind a curtain of darkness but all we see are the spouting venomous words to intimidate others and right yeah so you're you're describing this this inner world that inhabits way too many people and their outward expression hides the tor- the tor- torment and and turmoil that they live with exactly yeah. and i think i think I think I think the other thing is that we, as I said earlier, we cannot change other people. Mm-hmm. Well, we can change ourselves, mm-hmm. and we do it all the time or not, based upon the choices we make each and every moment. And so, I think it's really important for us to understand that whatever is going on in the political arena, whatever is going on in your work arena, whatever is going on in your home arena, you have the power to empower yourself to make the choices that will make a difference three feet in front of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, the people you encounter as you walk out the door. Uh, Kind. I was in Chicago. And, you know, Chicago has these huge streets where you have to cross. And sometimes the light will change in the middle of the street. I walk with a cane, so I cannot run across the street even though the light has changed. Mm-hmm. This white man, this, this white man stopped in the middle of the street, waited till I walked to where he was, and then he walked with me slowly across the street. When we got to the curb, he turned around and said, I just wanted to make sure you got across the street. I was absolutely blown away Mm. by this man's kindness. Mm. And I needed his kindness because I knew I couldn't run across the street. Here comes cars turning this way and that. And yet this man saw my need Mm -hmm. and stopped and said, let me, he, I don't even know if he said, let me be kind. But the kindness was already there in him. Right. And I don't, I will never, I don't even know, I know I will never see him again. Because mm-hmm. he looked, reminded me of what he did, and he kept walking. Mm-hmm. And so when we understand that those small acts of kindness, that act of love, 
that act of love can make a difference in the world. But you cannot love someone else if you don't love yourself. And so we have to get back to how do I love myself? Mm-hmm. And part of loving yourself is learning to forgive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Forgive That's... yourself for holding on to those thoughts that are not true. Forgive yourself for making up stories that are not real. Mm-hmm. Forgive yourself for living in the past instead of the present. Forgive yourself for whatever you choose to hang on to mm-hmm. that does not allow you to be your best self. Forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then move on to mm-hmm. I choose to live my best life now. Mm-hmm. This moment. Because that is the only moment we got. <laughs> it's the only moment we got. It's the only one. <laughs> the past is gone. The future is an illusion. We only got this moment. How are you going to spend it? I'm going to spend it with you. <laughs> That's right. And I'm looking at you, Bob. I'm in San Diego. You in Missouri. Amazing. But I feel your spirit. Right? Across the east. I feel it. Oh, I feel it. I'm looking at your face. I'm, I'm yeah. holding your hand. Right. Right. You know, um, and I think once... And I, what I, the other thing I want to say is, it's not just loving yourself in terms of understanding the humanity of a person, the, the children, the people, not only loving the people, places, and things, but to love all of creation. When you go out into the world, and John O'Donohue says this beautifully in, in his poetry, when you step into the world and you see the flowers, the trees, the rocks, the bay, the ocean, the sea, and when you see it as part of a living organ, as living divine gifts to you, those are my words, mm-hmm. then you then see, they embrace you. Mm-hmm. The colors embrace you, and therefore you see more of that blue of the sun of you feel the light of grace more because you are attentive to the divine spirit which is underneath what you physically see you know what i found a poem that i did not put in my book but what but but i'd like to read it to you because it it happened it's called what is blue do we have time for that we have about five minutes, and uh, okay, okay. I well, get the I'm nod from like, Dennis. <laughs> okay, well, I think what I want to do, uh, I will say what I really want to do is read my poem, Ode mm. to the Sweet Potato, uh, okay. because I, I, uh, what is this color blue? It, it's This is pretty pretty lumpy. So let's just say I'm going to I'll, – I'll send it to you as my gift to you today, but I, I want to read Ode to the Sweet Potato because it is – such a powerful story. We started off with my ancestors, mm-hmm. and maybe we should end with that. The Ode to the Sweet Potato is a poem I wrote, uh, really, in, let's see, when did I write this? Let's see. I wrote this in 2017. Uh, uh, let me tell you how it happened. I was listening to Mary Oliver mm-hmm. the, the night before, and some of the her poet, poems. Mary Oliver. The, right. the poet, the poet Mary Oliver, and mm-hmm. one of her poems was called The String Beans, and they got my attention, and, and then I went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, I opened my refrigerator, and I saw this perfectly shaped sweet potato. And I decided to cut it in half and really look at it. 
And out of looking at that, that sweet potato, here's what came up. Mm-hmm. Ode to the sweet potato. Oh, sweet, sweet potato, how splendid you are with copper coat and lush orange flush calling forth memories of the sun in autumn dawn, rising into clear blue sky. Your bark-like skin with lumps and bumps, so reminiscent of life, holding memories of forgotten experiences. Your singular color in vivid boldness, hidden within like circular waves in a pond, or the sun amid a constellation of plants afar. But you are so much more. Your secret divinity discovered by Ain't Honey, Ain't Hortense, Ain't Violet, Ain't Jesse, and many other ancestors long gone, sliced, diced, baked, boiled, fried, transforming your deliciousness into, into such delectables as sweet potato pies, candied yams, mashed potatoes. Oh, how they knew you from the inside out beautifying place with sumptuous and yummy taste. Like all of us, you need your own unique space. Growing from roots to tubers in your cocoon of warm darkness, while your green leaves on vines above ground lift arms to the light. After leaving the birth change chamber, you ripen into sweetness like an old friend. Your sacrifice for others cannot be forgotten for every time your goodness enters within. It's like an exquisite gift. Yes, there are Yukon gold, Saxons, and other spuds, but you are queen with your rich diversity of vitamins, minerals, fiber, estrogen, and soothing texture. So versatile and true, authentically you. Ode to the sweet potato. Ode to the sweet potato. All right. We will we will need to end with that. Uh, I would like to make a reference though to uh, George Washington Carver and yes. the sweet potato and the book yes. uh, The Man Who Talks with the Flowers yes. because of his incredible spiritual connection to yes. the sweet potato, etc. And you and me and everyone and uh, this has just been a delightful I wish we had another hour morning oh Dick uh, <laughs> I am so delightful to talk to you and you know we've known each other for years but it's great to be able to share, share this special moment this it, special it time with you it, it is, is. I, I, I am so delighted that you invited me to, to be a part of the show today and thank you thank you thank you and thank you love you All much right. and love folks you. Join us next week for more local news and social artistry. And remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it, because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care. Talk to you soon. Show, show.